Hey, welcome to the Chaffin Church Podcast. I am Marty Holman here with Sir Ryan Thompson of the Thompson Clan. Is there a Thompson Clan? Is that, is that I mean, weird? it almost seems like there is. Aren't you Swedish? Oh, there's no clan. Are there clans in Sweden? I mean, I feel like there were like a thousand years ago. I don't Clan? Well, like I don't if you're know. Irish it's such a or weird Scottish. Word. Well, right, in America. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but not in... In Europe, I mean, the clan was kind of like, especially in Ireland or Scotland. I am also Irish, kind of so a, maybe maybe there oh, okay. is some sort of clan over there, the Bates clan. But uh, yeah, awesome. Maybe. How about you? Are you part of any any clans that we need to know about, Pastor Marty? Well, the Holman clan is mostly English and German. Oh. And uh, we can't. Well. On both sides there is English and we came over across the way in the 16 and 1700s this is a fascinating discussion clans that's a, I don't know that word is just it just rubs me the wrong way I don't know it should right here in America <laughs> once again it, it, it was it was taken over I think here perhaps tribe is a better yeah is yeah a that more would, that, positive yeah. sure sure and of course uh, the Swedish. I'd be interested to see, like, this is a Swedish. Started off as a Swedish church. Right. I would be interested to see if there's a word that be sweet. Maybe we could do some research. Hmm. And if there is a word for the Swedish tribe, I probably should have paid more attention to my Swedish history class that I took in seminary at a Swedish uh, did you? denominational seminary. I did, and uh, apparently I did not. I did not remember as much as I probably should have. I mean, that is most people's seminary time. <laughs> I could read at one point John in Greek, the entire book, and could read it not totally proficiently, but pretty well, wow. and no longer. So there you have it. Uh, all right, so I'm going to come out. We're going to talk about Holden. I mean, this is a Holden-based, a Wachusett-based podcast, and we have no we have no guest today. We are each other's guest. Mm -hmm. And so we're just going to hang out and we want you to be a part of this conversation. And I wanted to come out and ask you as we got started, what do you think would make Holden better or the Wachusett area better? From a from your perspective, right, which is different from my perspective when we were even talking about this earlier, what would make this area better? Yeah, so um, and and maybe this is sort of unfair to hold in a little bit because you know because this is sort of all around right now. It's not just uh, uh, Holden, but um, but I'll say it anyways. Uh, as a millennial who would like to buy a house before I die, uh, I would like to see some affordable housing options around here. You know, I, I don't I don't know if that's uh, at all possible, but I love this area. I want to live in. Holden, if possible, but at least the Wachusett area, and really all all five of the towns, I I can't afford it. Like I, I honestly cannot, um, you know. And and uh, yeah, so that that is one thing I would love to see. I have very few, you know, complaints about Holden. You know? Yeah. So that was just one thing that I thought of that I would love to see at some point. But uh, yeah, that's that. I was thinking about this question. I wrote it down. I wanted to ask you. I wanted to see what you thought. And then I thought, like, my experience here has been so good. Like, mm. so very good. I've been here since 1999. 
and have enjoyed my time, I would say the intensity of traffic on Main Street at times, mm -hmm. like is so like is so crazy that I don't know what you would do about it or how you could fix that. Especially because the infrastructure, I mean, everything runs through that road. Right, right. right? Yeah, I, well, I mean, you do have, uh, actually, right outside our church's front door, uh, they are adding a, a second lane to, to one side of the street. I do know there have been a lot of conversations about that. I think, I think it was five or ten years ago, so some years back, there was someone who came forward and asked, hey, what if between, you know, during all the rush hours, you know, you can't make a left turn on Main Street during the rush hour, I don't know, something, something like that, you know, or maybe wherever there's two lanes on both sides of the road, you can't make a left turn or something, I don't know, something like that. They do like in that. some places. Yeah, right? and, and it, I'm, I'm sure that does, you know, uh, probably sort of quell traffic a certain percentage, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, is it a fair ask? Is there an easy solution? I don't know, it's probably fair to ask. There probably isn't an easy solution necessarily, but. Uh, I have seen the plans and they look great. Uh, they are taking hmm. about 10 feet from the other side, not from the church side. And it go, the plans go all the way to Bank of America where they're making a, a walkway. There's not a sidewalk there that connects Main right. Street to here. And so they're, they're making a connection there and then all the way down to Doyle. Wow. Road. And so it's a pretty, that's happening in four years. Okay. So it's not going to happen tomorrow or anything, but uh, they're doing, the, the, the plans look great. Well, wow. four years. I mean, I'm sure we'll have our own version of the big dig. We all remember how that, how that turned out. I remember being right. like a young boy and asking my uncle, like I saw the big dig on the news, you know, and I asked my uncle like, what's the big dig? And, and he told me this and I believed it. Cause I was like, I think I was eight or nine at the time. He's like, oh, it's the, they're building this big <laughs> hole in the ground in Boston and they're just throwing money into it, you know? So I thought literally, I'm like, why would they build a hole and throw money into it? <laughs> like, <laughs> I believed it. I mean, people's heads rolled for that, uh, metaphorically speaking. People got fired for that. I mean, it was like a 21-year job or something ridiculous yeah. that was supposed to be seven years. Yeah, and it was billions of dollars over budget. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's, uh, crazy. Well, I hope that's not the case here in the town of Holden. And if it is, heads will roll. Heads will roll. Uh, this right. was not planned. Did you, did you vote in the town election? I did not. You did not? I did not, because I was not educated enough. I did not feel that uh, I, yeah, I should, I should have, but I did not. So I did, Okay. and I won't say who, I'm not, but only one of my, there were three, there were six choices, three, uh, three people you could vote for, and uh, apparently I'm not a good chooser because only one of my people were voted in, which but I guess that's fine, right? I was represented. And, but the Holden town election process was good. The thing was, uh, uh, I think there, the turnout was good for a town election as well. So great job, Holden. Keep it up. Chaffin salute you. Good times. Ask a pastor is the next segment. We have a great show, by the way. I think this is gonna be a good conversation. This next question for Ask a Pastor, which I think you have, yes. is 
is, uh, is a great question. So go yeah. for it. So the question is, and this is a question that I received personally a few weeks back, do you take the Bible literally why or why not? And I think uh, at the time the question was actually asked to me, there was some more colorful language in there, but uh, uh, that is my sort of uh, transliterated version. So um, yeah, so I'm going to answer that question today. This is actually the first time I have answered this question, which I, I, or this is the first time I've answered the uh, ask a pastor section. So I'm, I'm very excited about this. Um, so I wanna start by just, just taking a look at the, the low hanging fruit. And, and I'll, I'll actually, before I even do that, I'll start by saying, no, I, I do not take uh, the, the, the Bible completely literally. And, and I wanna start by addressing, yeah, those, those low pieces of low hanging fruit. So first, um, you know, first there's all sorts of um, figures of speech in the Bible. There's all sorts of metaphor, metaphorical language. There is, um, you know, imagery used that is not, is we know to not be literal. So if that's what you mean by completely literal, then, uh, then I mean, clearly, I, I hope, you know, when, when uh, you see in the Psalms, David says his bed is full of tears. I hope you're not, he's not, he's not sleeping in a bathtub, right? Like that's not, that's not what's happening, right? Oh, he slept um, in a bathtub. But then there, there are other ones that are even a little bit more uh, serious than that, right? Like, um, you know, in, uh, I think it's Leviticus, take your disobedient children outside the city gates and stone them to death, right? So if, if, we, were, if we were all to take, you know, that portion of the Bible completely literally, um, I mean, first of all, the human race would cease to exist because every child is disobedient at times after the age of like two, right? And so uh, all our children would be dead and we'd be gone within a generation. And we'd probably all be in prison too. So it'd be pretty miserable if we all followed <laughs> that uh, to, to the letter. So, um, so I say to the letter and um, you know, Jesus and his, his entire uh, fight that he was in, he was constantly in sharp disagreement with the Pharisees was built upon the Pharisees' legalism. And, you know, legalism being they took the law, right, which was, you know, it was, it was the Pentateuch and, and a, few, a few of the other books that are in our Old Testament were considered the law at the time. And the Pharisees tended to take this like very, very literally and, um, and made sure that everyone followed the, these laws to the letter. And Jesus was constantly um, trying to reinterpret these scriptures and to... Um, <clears throat> The, and the phrase he used a lot was, you know, follow the spirit of the law, follow the spirit of the law, not, not the letter of the law. And I think, I think we've, all, we've all heard that, that phraseology, you know, from, from time to time on, on a lot of things. Um, and so, but then you have, you know, in the book of Acts, there's this whole idea of binding and loosing. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that, but basically, uh, you know, the, the spirit came to, to the apostles and said, um, you can, or not, not you can, you need to bind things on earth and loose them on earth so that they can be bound in heaven and loosed in heaven. And so, you know, binding was sort of this, this idea of, hey, we need to create uh, traditions and some of them, we need to bind them as in, we need to stick to them. These are important things that we need to uh, continue to do. 
And then there's also this idea of, of loosing, and that's sort of like, sometimes you need to replace a tradition. Sometimes you need to reinterpret like the, the way you've been doing things and improve yeah. upon it. Or maybe you just need to leave something open for interpretation. You don't even need to replace it. So, um, so this idea of binding and loosing, look that up. It's, it goes really, that's a like super deep rabbit hole that a lot of people go down and uh, what does that mean? How much freedom do we have? Uh, and I will not attempt to answer that all today. But I think that the, the general idea, I think overall for me is that like God is not looking for passive followers. Like yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's looking for people, and I'm gonna use this term, who are actively obedient. Like people who actually ask good questions. Like when, when, when God was gonna destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he tells, he tells Abraham that he's gonna destroy him. You know, what does Abraham do? He says, well, isn't that like super unjust, right? Like, isn't that, isn't that wrong, God? Like, what if you find this many righteous people there? And, and, and he sort of like bargains with God. Yeah. Now, this is the guy that's known of the father as the father of the Hebrew faith, you know? And so yes. very, very important. So uh, I think the idea for me is we need to just constantly question and uh, reinterpret the scriptures in our communities. The, the community is sort of this, this guiding uh, group that will prevent us from going outside of the, uh, out, uh, off the road, outside of the guardrails, however you wanna view that. Um, but basically we just, we never wanna take anything totally at face value. Yeah. Even, even something that Marty says, right? Like I'm sure Marty, Marty will tell you he doesn't, you know, like when you're sitting there listening to him speak on Sunday mornings, he doesn't want you to be like, oh yeah, great. You know, and that's the end of it, right? That's the end, right. He wants you to get in the car and wrestle with these ideas, like with your family and with your, you know, like we, we wanna we wanna carry these around with us and, and wrestle with it. So, um, and you know, I do think there are some scriptural principles that are, you know, simple. They can be found throughout scripture and anyone can sort of grab onto those things. That's sort of like the low hanging fruit. You know, you, you can just grab onto those things and um, they're probably not ever gonna change, right? Like my life verse is Micah 6, 8. You know, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God, right? Like that's something, it's, it's simple. You can find it throughout the scriptures and, um, yeah, that, that, that's not gonna change. But again, I do think we need to not take almost anything at face value. Even Micah 6, 8, what does it mean to you know, uh, act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with God? What, what is behind that, right? And so, uh, yeah, I really, I really think we need to keep questioning and, and keep uh, growing. So that's why I think um, we should not take the scriptures completely, literally all the time. Uh, we need to be be careful about that. I think one of the interesting, one of the reasons why this question is so important, like when I was born, when I was growing up, mm. 70s mm. and 80s, yeah, 70s, 80s and today, there was this idea that, um, and, and there, there even is to some, but there was this idea that America was this Christian nation. And it was, I mean, they're, mm. they're like, it was in this certain way, mm. in the same way, that several hundred years before Europe was, right? You know how things get faster and move mm -hmm. faster mm -hmm. with technology, right? And so there was this new way of communication through 
like the Pony Express, or there are these different ways mm -hmm. in, in America. And so America had revolved, it meant Alexander Graham Bell on the phone, and, and America had revolved into this Christian nation, I think, in the same way that the Catholic faith had evolved in the dark in the Middle Ages. Mm -hmm. I say the Dark Ages. Some people call it, some people call it that. In that, they were the ones who said, "This is how the Bible is to be mm. taken." And so, all of a sudden, the Protestant Church lived this out in America and in, in in the West. And so now, we are reaping the consequences. And I say consequences. I think there are some very big consequences in this is the way you have to look at scripture mm. because now you have a whole world of churchianity that is falling apart because pastors are falling into sin and what, what does that look like well certainly they're not living out the bible literally right like they're living their own way and walking away what happens when your pastor falls what happens when your spiritual guide um, is not living the way that he's teaching. Man, it, it, Ted Haggard, mm -hmm. you know, the, the Met Carl Lentz, doesn't matter what generation in the last 30 years, you've probably experienced, if you followed, um, uh, you know, church for the last 30 years, you've probably experienced um, some sort of hypocrisy. Right. And that's why following the Spirit of God is so important. I mean, Jesus talked about this all over the place. We're actually going to look into this in a little bit. I think, I think your view is really powerful and it's important. And it's a great discussion to continue to have. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just like, you know, the, the Bible, the Word is a living, breathing thing. It's described as that in the Scripture. So, and what do living, breathing things do? They move. Yeah. Our culture moves. We move. It's like two objects constantly in motion. And our perspectives are just, they're going to change. They have to, yeah. you know, like it's just... It's the way it is. So it's just, and you know, biblical literalism is just like you mentioned. It's it's one of like the tent pegs of fundamentalism, you know, yes. within Christianity. It, there's there's always a group that, oh no, I, I you know, people are drifting away from you know the literal and and yeah, and yeah. They they will they will try to scare you into you know, you know, taking whatever their version of taking it literally is, even though there's no such thing because they have to interpret it to get to whatever their literal meaning is. But and what's, what's so scary about that is how connected it is to some people's political worldview. Yes. And I, so I am, if we were to talk, and we kind of already know this, I am more conservative politically than you are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. However, there's no denying, I, I just want to, like, I would say that my conservatism is more based on my desire for independence for personal responsibility mm. than, than for my theological beliefs, right? And, and I would say that gladly. Like, like I never want my, never want to pretend that my beliefs as a person, as an, um, as an American, should somehow overcome, because it's so easy to do, mm. my beliefs as a Christian, because the Christianity should always, always come first. 
And so when confronted with that, that's a hard tension to manage. It really yeah, is. It's like, it's like your, your faith that's operating in a, a cultural context, but it can't be like subdued by it. And it's just, it's this very kind of funky thing that you have to kind of keep in check, right? But I think we're, we're a little bit off our original question here. But so <laughs> neither, I, I think from what you've said, neither Marty and I would say, you know, take the Bible completely literally. And like we said, there's some low-hanging fruit there, like, you know, David sleeping in a bathtub, which he did not do. Um, and, and then you have... Um, I was making a pun. You know, do not, do not stone your children to death. Please do not do that. Please. And, uh, and therefore, yeah, do not, do not take the Bible completely literally. So. And on that note, we're going to go to part two of our conversation and family reunion. So part one, if you, if you go back to... What I think it was, was episode two. Episode, yeah, two. episode two. Which was how to... Not the resurrection one. How to not sin? No, that was, that was with Coach. Yep. It was really good, whatever it was. And you should check <laughs> out episode two. But Ryan and I had a conversation around our past working life in 2002 nine or ten to 2015 and then ryan uh, uh <laughs> ryan left and i made a joke earlier about that uh when we were off camera <laughs> and he left and went to uh to lifesong church which is a great place across the uh in millbury and then uh, so and then you went to washington Washington State, yeah. So we, yeah. we kind of stopped at Lifesong, and, and, and so we'll talk for a little bit about, uh, about Washington State. What happened there? Yeah, so basically uh, I, I decided as my time at Lifesong was, was coming to an end that um, I really wanted to keep doing church ministry, but I, it felt like at the time I had sort of burned a lot of um, my connections in, in the church world, just locally in, in the Worcester area. I didn't want to really leave Worcester. I, just, I wanted to stay in the, in the general area. Um, but so the only place left that I had like a lot of connections was with the Evangelical Covenant Church, which is a small church denomination that I grew up in. And so um, t I spoke with a couple people and they like strongly recommended that I uh, attend seminary. And so, um, so I thought about it, I prayed about it, and I really felt like God was telling me, like, look, seminary, like, that's where you need to go. That's okay. what you need to do. And so, um, and then, like, within two days of deciding that I was going to do that, um, there was this internship opportunity that was presented to me. Um, and I had, like, one, I had 24 hours, I had one day to decide if I was going wow. to move across the country and spend a year of my life, you know, on the other side of the country. And I know some of you probably did like time abroad or whatever, but for me, this is a big deal. I'm sort of a, you know, I love central Massachusetts, don't want to leave. So, but I decided this, this will be great. This will be a great place to do a seminary internship. And the uh, person that I worked for um, came just very, very highly recommended. And so I went and I, I worked there. So it's a very good church, a small church in sort of like a, a farming community um, in Yakima Valley in Washington. It's where 80% of the beer hops in the country are grown. So wow. uh, I was very surprised when I first got there. And the, the first thing like every family wanted to do was take me out to a brewery after church. That was, that was okay. sort of like the thing that, 
you did, you know, on, on the weekends. What's up, Chaffin Church? Yeah, well, who's going to take Marty to a brewery? Come on now. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really a big uh, beer guy or, or alcohol guy in general, but uh, yeah, there was a lot of good, good, uh, good beer, a lot of good conversations there. But honestly, yeah, it got a little bit lonely. It's just a more rural place, not, not a whole lot of young people my age. How big so, was the church? Uh, I think it was like 200 people-ish. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, so I, I was the pastoral intern, spent a lot of time uh, working with the youth and just with like, you know, technology and stuff like that. And so, yeah, so I did the internship and then I went on to um, the actual physical, you know, seminary location in Chicago. And I did um, two out of three years of my seminary degree. Um, but I'm going to turn back to Marty to, before I tell you why I stopped, because uh, Marty's side of this story, uh, yeah, definitely continued as well. So why don't you go ahead with your, your side of it? My life stopped with uh, <laughs> depression and difficulty. <laughs> so, so, I, uh, so at 2015, I came to a, I, I think I was tired. I was tired. We had gone through. We we had we had done so well, and yet we had not like broke through like the two hundred barrier. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and and the two hundred barrier. Just so you know, like in the church growth world, the two hundred barrier is like that's it's like the, the capital T the two hundred you know barrier. It's it's a big deal. Like if you can break two hundred, chances are you're probably going to keep going, and then the next barrier is like five hundred. That's usually yeah. How it and they're much e and the two hundred is the hardest one. They yes. say. Like yeah. so, it was one of those where I just felt tired is the best way I could say. It. Like yeah. I I didn't see I didn't see a a, a push forward or getting beyond that point. Yeah, so you, you figured, I can sustain this, but I can't really, like... I didn't see yeah, it. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I had a lot of friends, and I had a lot of friends who were that, like, who were pastors who I'd spent time with in the area in New Hampshire, like Anthony Milas. Right. And, and right. one of them was, was a guy from New Hampshire, and his name was Josh Gagnon. So I went to Josh and I said, what would it look like for us to become Next Level Church? And we talked about it and it was a good conversation. I liked the guy. I guess I didn't know him all that well, but I knew him, right? You don't know pastors all that well unless mm -hmm. you do, right? Mm -hmm. Like I know probably two or three guys who are pastors right now well, besides my dad. And... So we talked, and I brought it back to our board. They were like, that's pretty intense, right? So, like, so when you say we become Next Level Church, you mean, and your idea at the time was we will become a campus of Next Level uh, Church. Yes, a campus. So we were our own entity, and we would become a campus. They had, I think, four or five at the time. And can you just, for, for our viewers who maybe aren't familiar with like the multi-location model, like yep. what, what does that mean, a campus? So essentially, the, there is a large nucleus of people. They're in Summersworth, New Hampshire, in this, in this scenario. There's all, like Lifesong Church, right, has a large nucleus in Millbury, or I think it's in Sutton now. And so then they are so successful, 
they they maybe they have a group of people in York, Maine, which is about a half hour away, that come to church. So they'll start a location there in. Uh, yeah, so it's sort of like it's like a mothership with like some smaller ships, some of the smaller ships, ships or churches, correct. right? Yeah, correct. Life Church in Oklahoma does this. A lot of big churches now do this, and so I thought this would be a good way for me to learn what does it take, mm-hmm. what does it take to get beyond two hundred, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So. We did it, and the board went with me. You know, to the board's credit, the board kind of followed me in that. And I look back at that. We've talked fondly about those days at Fellowship. I look back at the wisdom of that board. Like, just, you know, they they asked me some hard questions, but they went with it. And we, we did it. On Mother's Day of 2015, we became Next Level Worcester. So, so like, Almost six years to the day. Yeah. 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 Six years ago. And things went swimmingly. I don't know how else to put it. Like, I learned for two years, we went from 120, 150, really, to about 350 in attendance. Wow. And that was, that was like for two or three months in a row. We had, we had that um, number. And then, whether this was a good move or not, I don't know. So we could get into nuts and bolts, but they wanted me to go from Showcase North in Worcester, where we had moved, yeah, yeah. to Mount View here in Holden. And what happened was, it was a brand new building, but what happened was people in Worcester stopped coming. Mm. Not, not, and mass, not like well, everybody from and, Worcester. And because I remember, if I, if I can sort of take a guess at why this is, so like show that area around Showcase, and and then the you know you had Price Chopper, which is now Market Thirty Two there. Yep. It almost felt like it was part of Holden. Like it it it, it sort of looked like it was. You yes. Because you it you know the highway the on ramp to the highway was there, but like the highway wasn't right there. Yeah. You know, and it just but. So it sort of felt like Holden, you know? Yeah. So people from Holden had no problem going there, but technically it was Worcester. So people from Worcester, you know, were fine going there. So we did, we did our homework and we we thought culturally back when, when Fellowship was around, yeah. this is the perfect place. And we actually, we tried to uh, think about buying a building on that street a couple times, but yes. it just, each time it fell through. Um, but but yeah, the um, but we, we did a lot of homework on that. You know, that, that Showcase North was like, it was a good, spot yeah. for that. So yeah. this is a whole story and it, we're at the, we're at uh, we've been in a half hour and I'm just going to kind of skip to this point because I think this is an, an important point about who I am today and where I've mm. come from. Mm. At some point in that. So all the locations were doing well. We were doing I would say both financially and people-wise particularly well. Mm. Okay? And I, I was kind of looking and, and asking other location pastors, and, and but it was really weird because the the leadership didn't want us to know each other's stats. <laughs> what? Right, like we worked together, but we were told we weren't like allowed to ask each other's stats, and it was so it was just so weird. So, but I found out, and essentially, the leadership of of that church 
in the summer of 2017, made some decisions, which by the time 2018 rolled around, it became clear that it was a different, there was a different way of being. If you were to name my, what I love about church in one word, what would it be? Community. Right. Community was no longer looked at as important what, at all. And it was funny because towards the very beginning of the transition, you know, yeah. when, when you guys became a Next Level Church, I got like a flurry of text messages then. I mean, and I had just left too, but it was like, hey, what's going on, Ryan? I'm like, I'm, I have no idea. I'm gone, you know? <laughs> and then, and, but then in like 2017, I actually started to get more text messages again. Like yeah, yeah. some people were like, what, what's going on here? And I'm like, once again, I'm no longer there. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah. I, so it, like literally like we 2017 um, we went we were growing and, and then by the end of it it went it went bad. Mm. Um, and there was just that feeling that community wasn't important to a church that the foundation that we had built was foundational was community. So community was no longer important and Essentially, I was asked to move to New Hampshire. I wasn't. Asked, I almost said I was asked to leave. I wasn't originally asked to leave. So perhaps this is a good moment for me to pick up my part of the story. Yes. Where, so Marty was asked to move to New Hampshire, and like I, I want to say it was within the same month. So it was, this was in uh, yeah 2017. Yep. Um, I was trying to. I had, I had done my two years of seminary, so about halfway through, started looking into planting a church. Like I said, I still loved you know, the Worcester area. I knew I wanted to land the plane here rather than Chicago, which is where the seminary was. So uh, started doing some of my courses online, came back you know, home here to Holden, yeah. and I was trying to plant a church in the Worcester area. Uh, I was having s some conversations with Marty at that point, uh, yeah. and I got you know his blessing. And he's like, "Hey, if it works out, please plant a church in the area." And uh, well, it did not work out. <laughs> so uh, so what uh, what ended up happening is um, they they sort of had this like job interview almost in the the, the denomination that I wanted to plant with. To the point where if I can't plant with this denomination, I don't want to plant a church kind of thing. That's how much I wanted to plant with them. Okay. Um, so they have this job interview process called a church planting assessment center. And so you would go and you would get assessed. I was the only single person there. Like everyone else was, wow. was there, were, there were 30 couples and me. So it was, <laughs> it was very odd. Um, oh man, Ryan, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. So I went, I flew out to uh, Denver. We were, we were out there, my first time in Colorado. And uh, yeah, so I went out there and basically the long story short is I didn't make it through. Like they were like, hey, you know, uh, you have some student loan debt, maybe, you know, pay, pay a lot of that off. And like, um, yeah, just, you know, you're, you're just, you're not ready yet, you know, for, for that and, and another reason or two. And I was, I was absolutely crushed, like totally mm. crushed. And wow. so... I was continuing with my seminary classes, but I was doing the bare minimum. It was like one class a semester. I came home, I got like super depressed. I grew out like a, a fairly long beard. It wasn't, it wasn't maybe not as long as like Billy McGinnis's beard back in the day, but it was, yeah. it was, it was a fairly lengthy beard for me. And I was an Uber driver in Boston. I gained like 40 pounds and I just looked and felt like terrible, you know? 
And yeah, so it's a rough year. 2018 was, or no, yeah, the, the second half of 2017, first half of 2018 was awful for me. But eventually the denomination that I wanted to plant a church with, so literally the guy that said no to me actually gave me a call in, in, in early 2018. And he was like, hey, we have a position opening up at our office. Uh, and um, I know, you know, we had said no to church planting for now. Uh, I'm wondering if you wanted to come and, and maybe try, you know, uh, uh, applying for this position. Wow. We think you, you probably would make a great fit. And so I applied and I got the job. So here I am. So I'm, uh, I was working for the, literally the guy that told me no to church planting. Yeah. Essentially the person that activated my depression for a year, you know, oh, and gosh. I'm working for that guy. Um, and now we're like super good friends. Uh, but yeah, so I still work for that church denomination. I no longer work in the church planting department, but that's sort of how I got to where I am today. And then I was working in Chicago right before the pandemic, came home to take care of my mom who was going through chemotherapy at that point. So that, that's kind of how the thread uh, connects to, to now. I, yeah. I, you know, I, I worked in Chicago for three years and now I'm back here working remotely for the same uh, church planting denomination. And, um, you know, before I got back, Marty and I had, had spoken um, quite a bit about like, uh, you know, Chaffin, because he, he, had, he had just taken the job there at the time. So I went, I didn't go to New Hampshire, basically because I felt I was going to go to New Hampshire and get fired. Just being honest, like I thought these people were going to fire me. So I said no, and they said, well, you, you don't have a job in Worcester. And I said, well, then I quit. So that's kind of what happened. And my family and I went to Spain, which is fantastic. I mean, um, how long were you in Spain? Just over a month. Okay. Yeah, it was so good. I mean, Valencia, Spain. And then came back, and then Carrie and I went to Spain with a group of people from her school at Neshoba wow, Regional High School. We went twice, yeah. That, we went to Madrid, Sevilla, and um, one other place which was amazing, it was awesome. And then Chaffin Church hired us and uh, we've had a great time here and that's, we brought in Ryan and I mean Al and Dan and uh, Amanda is our new moderator. It's just the way that things have worked out with our team and people are coming together. And you, you've probably heard is. over the last couple of episodes, you know, uh, about sort of uh, you know, even Marty and I do this, but everyone does it. Sometimes, every once in a while, we sort of compare, you know, what we're doing here at Chaffin to fellowship. It's just, it's a natural human thing, it is. you know. It would be difficult not to. But, you know, but Chaffin is different, right? Like it's, yeah. it is, it's a different experience. Um, a lot of the same people, you know, like a, a lot of people who used to be at fellowship are now yeah. at Chaffin. There's a lot of new people, you yeah. know, who came in. Some of those were at Next Level too that I never met. You okay. Know, and, and, and then still on top of that, there are new, new people who are at neither, you know, so it's just, yes. it's really, really interesting how, how it's uh, shaping up. And as, as we move forward, we want to continue to, you know, in 1905, their purpose, the, Swed the Swedish people's purpose here were to spread the good news of Jesus. And that's what they said here. And that's what we want to continue to do. And we want to do it in a community-based way here in the middle of the community of Holden. And so 
Thanks for checking that out. We're going to move toward uh, the message part mm. of our uh, time here. And I want to share a passage of scripture from John chapter 17. Ryan, do you like to pray? I do. Do you? I do. All right. Well, when some people pray, it's outstanding. Do you know anyone who, when they pray, it's like, whoa. Do you know anyone like that? Like, oh, yeah. you might constitute like a prayer warrior or somebody who you're like, well, that person is on another level of prayer. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Um, there are people who can pray, and then there are people who can pray. I knew this lady once. Her name was Pauline. And Pauline was like that. Like, when she would pray, it would, like, just kind of dominate everyone's attention. <laughs> and uh, amazing lady. But Jesus could pray. Mm. Right? I mean... Obviously, if anyone could pray, it makes sense that he could really pray. And he prayed in John 17, and this was at the end of his ministry. And he prays for three things in this passage of Scripture we're going to look at. This is part of the, the lectionary experience of the week, John 17. And uh, Jesus says this, I use the message. I rarely use the message. But I recently read Eugene Peterson's autobiography, official autobiography, um, from a kid I grew up with, actually wrote it. And uh, the, the, the message says this. I, this is Jesus praying. I spelled out your character, meaning God's character, in detail to the men and women you gave me. They were yours in the first place, and then you gave them to me. And they have now done what you said. So he's going to pray for three things here. They know now beyond the shadow of a doubt that everything you gave me is firsthand from you. For the message you gave me, I gave them, and they took it and were convinced that I came from you. They believed that you sent me. So he's talking about the disciples. I prayed for them. I'm not praying for the God-rejecting world, but for those you gave me, for they are yours by right. Everything mine is yours and yours mine, and my life is on display in them, for I'm no longer going to be visible in this world. He's talking about him leaving the earth. They'll continue in the world while I return to you. Holy Father, guard them as they pursue this life that you conferred as a gift through me. So they can be one heart and mind as we are one heart and mind. So the first thing he prays for is unity. Unity is so important in the Christian life. And yet, in America, there's so much disunity. I've been working on this in my social media. Hmm. I had, we are talking about the, the town elections recently. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And this, this particular lady who I consider a friend kind of bit my head off. Hmm. It was a little snarky. I don't want to be exaggerative. Kind of bit my head off, right? Hmm. Snarky. And in the course of the snarkiness, I responded in love hmm. and said, you know what, you're awesome. Like something that wasn't sarcastic and I made sure that she knew it wasn't sarcastic. But I think this is important. Because we are called to be unified. And so many times, I'm very competitive. Mm. And I hurt my Christian testimony of unity that Jesus has prayed for by my competition so far. Um, I mean, what do you think would help a church be more unified? Well, I think the first thing that I always think of is just knowing what unity actually is. And I think what a lot of people think of 
is actually uniformity, not unity. They, okay. they think, oh, we all need to believe the same thing or act yeah. exactly the same way or have like the same culture and preferences. Like, that's not true, right. you know? Like you can, you, the challenge of unity is having that diversity of thought and culture and history and preferences and, and all of, and, and just even basic worldviews on certain issues, right? Um, and then loving each other, right? Yeah. And then and then still being united, like that. I think that's the, the the challenge. That would be that would just be my only thing I could think of. But awesome. I mean, it's so important. Work. Let's work on being unified, even in our community with people in general. Uh, he continues. Jesus continues here. As long as I was with them, I guarded them in the pursuit of the life you gave through me. I even posted a night watch, and not one of them got away, except for the rebel bent on destruction, the exception that proved the rule of Scripture. Now I'm returning to you. I'm saying these things in the world's hearing, so my people can experience my joy completed in them. So the second thing he prays for is for joy, specifically for the believer. And experiencing joy is so important and difficult, especially during times like COVID. Yeah. Right? I mean, the, the world is a difficult place. What are experiences or ways that you have felt the most joyful? During COVID? Anytime. I think most of them have revolved around um, community. You know, like my, my fondest memory, like, like actually, I, I think in my entire life, like just being, being a part of that team at fellowship that went to the movie theater and there was, there was so much that we didn't know how to do and we, we overcame so many obstacles and then that we were so close, yeah. you know, just like, you know, the worship team, we were, we were really, you know, tight knit and. Um, mm. We just had these epic, like, um, I just remember this one Halloween party we had, and it was so, so many funny, just random things, you know, just very, very joyful, even though, like, you know, there were some hard things going on at the time as well. Um, you know, I, yeah. So but isn't I, that the point, though? That joy, you know, we say this, that joy kind of can override difficult circumstances so it's not necessarily yeah. happiness right right but there's something in general that is propelling you to rise above your circumstances and that is creating this joy like th this fondness mm. about your overall circumstances i don't know it's just amazing well what what is i i know i know we're, we don't have too much time here but just very like maybe maybe the 30 second version what is the difference between happiness and joy I mean, I, I think that joy is realizing that you're not alone, mm. both in hu human-wise and God-wise, mm. right? It's this idea that, like, the opposite of joy is, is uh, maybe, maybe a, a type of, depression not a clinical one but mm. a yeah. yeah but a a feeling of loneliness right yeah um and the truth is that we are not like 
we're not meant, we're meant to live in uh, a functional community, to have a tribe, mm. to have, and that's so important because, and the difficulty is that joy, and this can happen in churches all the time, is that joy that tr those tribes can be manufactured and worse yet, manipulated, right? For someone's own end. And I think, and I, maybe I, I, the fellowship thing, and, and you even talking about that, right? We, this has gone longer than 30 seconds. Um, <laughs> I'll make sure good news is short. We, like, there was nothing necessarily being manipulated in terms of for someone's ultimate gain. Like, right. nobody was getting rich. Nobody was, you know, making out with, like, um, I don't like their own Swedish bank account or your wife said Swedish, but Cayman, Caymans, Cayman yeah. Islands bank account. Like it was just people were working hard to accomplish a goal together, and right. they were doing it in the season of life that was good. And you know, I when you put yourself, those are risky times, mm -hmm. right? Those are risky relationships because you could get hurt. But the feeling of loneliness, you can get hurt too, right? Like, and right. so I think joy is the realization that you're not alone, both in humanity and um, a much larger picture of God. Mm, that's good. And then Jesus continues, and I'll, I'll make this quick. I gave them your word. The godless world hated them because of it, because they didn't join the world's ways, just as I didn't join the world's ways. I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but you guard them from the evil one. They are no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. Make them holy, consecrated with the truth. Your word is a consecrating truth. In the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I gave them a mission in the world. I give them a mission in the world. I'm concentrating, uh, consecrating myself for their sakes so there'll be a truth, so there'll be truth consecrated in their mission. Thirdly, he prays for holiness. But here's what's interesting. He doesn't pray for holiness to simply keep them away from the world. He prays for holiness so there'll be a so there'll be truth consecrated in their mission. So that means you were talking earlier about active obedience, right? Mm -hmm. And so that we are as a church moving forward to do what we're called to do. We're not trying to stay away from the evil world, mm -hmm. right? We're right. doing what we're called to do in the midst of the the hard things of the world. And we're not staying away from rock music. This is so unbelievable what I went through. <laughs> rock music or the movies. But we're living in, in the world and we're asking God, protect us from the difficulties, the hardships, and help us to stay focused on the mission that you've given to us. For, with this church, since 1905, it's to spread the good news of Jesus. And so... Uh, maybe you have a personal one. Maybe I have a personal one. And so that's where we're at. And uh, speaking of the good news of Jesus, Ryan, it's time for Chaffin' Good News. Oh, so smooth. <laughs> so smooth. <laughs> hey, uh, the Chaffin' Good News here in Holden. The amusement parks, as of yesterday, the amusement parks in, in Massachusetts, the theme parks, and the outdoor water parks. By the way, if you're going to an outdoor water park today, you are awesome because... I would not. It's impressive. They're at 50% capacity. They're opened up at 50% capacity. Uh, and athletic arenas, including Polar Park, are uh, open at 
I, by the way, had tickets to Polar Park, and I am here. You're a good man. <laughs> You're a good man. I, I honestly, I, I tried to make it work, so I didn't even get to asking you because so many other things fell through that I just couldn't do it. Um, so, good news, we are opening up. Things are happening. It's just so exciting. Like literally, you could feel it on Sunday here, and like the the people coming back, the excitement. Just good. Well, can, can I just, uh, I, I don't know if this is too personal, but you got your second shot this week or was it your first? Second. It was your second, second shot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Got it, it's done. Hey, things are things are moving forward. Like, like I know so many people that have gotten their, their shots now. I, I wanna say, I think I, I heard uh, on, on the TV the other day, it was like that 60% of Massachusetts has at least gotten one vaccination now. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really, really getting up there. It's incredible. Uh, some birthdays, uh, Pastor Robin Bartlett of First Church in Sterling. Uh, I'm not sure what she turned, so I'm not going to say it, but her birthday was this week. Uh, Libby DeMice. Uh, who that, that is the third time she's been on Chaffin' Good News since we instituted it it's sometime true. last year. She was vaccinated and there was something... There was something else. I can't remember what the other. Uh, thing was. It was. Um, it was uh, the anniversary. Their their anniversary. Their anniversary. I think it was that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So yeah. I remember. I didn't know how to pronounce her last name, Libby. I'm sorry. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't know, and I had to ask you. That's how I remember that. Okay. And uh, then Shane Bradwell, who attends Chaffin Church, and then Cynthia or Cindy Goulet. She. Chaffin Church as well. Exciting stuff. Happy birthday to you. And that's what we got for the Chaffin Good News. Not a lot of announcements. It's last weekend we had like everything in that weekend. <laughs> I'm so glad that weekend's over. It was such an amazing time. But uh, we are instituting, I don't even know if I've told you this. So this would be exciting. This is an announcement for me apparently. We are instituting community cookouts starting in June. Did I tell you that? Did I, tell you? I don't think we have personally discussed it, although I think I heard it this past Sunday. Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe yeah. I said it. Okay. So community cookouts are happening in June. And what those are, we just have weekly time where we can get together and have cookouts uh, as a church and build community. Have I told you that when you're at those cookouts, it's like... It's like Marty in like his native habitat. Like it, it, it really it, is. Like he just goes around and and just spreads cheer and. You that, might yeah. say I spread good news. It, it's almost, almost. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, Buddy the elf. Do you like now? Here's Buddy the question: Because you're an introvert, do you hate those? No. Do you like them? No, I like them. Good food. You get to hang out with people, and you can. When you get sick of it, you can leave whenever you want. I mean, what's not to love it's a about solid that? Point. I mean, I usually stay the whole time, and I love it. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, that's what I got. That's what we got for today. Please, if you enjoyed our podcast, would you rate and review it on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts or any wherever uh, podcasts are played also if you have a podcast platform that we are not on let us know maybe we can make that happen 
And let's not forget about YouTube either. Um, Thank you. You know, we, we have we have a we have a podcast, but we also have a video podcast. And so, uh, by the way, uh, if 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 there's ever something that we're talking about, like maybe Marty and I are like holding up a poster on the video podcast or something, and we're like, "Look at this," you know, and you're listening to the audio podcast, and you're just like, "What the heck is wrong with you?" You know, yeah. and you can't see it. Just shoot us a message and be like, "Guys, like we couldn't see that. That didn't make sense." <laughs> Please let us know. We're still getting used to it. You know, this is only episode yeah. seven, uh, but hopefully uh, you're liking it so far. And you can subscribe to it in any of those platforms. Also, I did create a Facebook group, which you can't be a part of, uh, Chaff and Church Podcast Facebook group. I can't be a part of it because Marty hates me. And <laughs> I don't have a Facebook. <laughs> if, you, if you are interested in uh, supporting us here at Chaff and Church, Please, you can go to chaffin.church slash giving, or you can text any amount to 84321, or send your gifts to 155 Shrewsbury Street in Holden, 01520. And those gifts are all tax deductible. Yeah. We were just talking about taxes earlier. It's tax deductible. That's pretty cool. This is a solid point. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so, can't wait to see you guys next week. Thank you for participating. And uh, I forgot what I usually say. Uh, do you remember? You say, and that, <laughs> and that's the good news for today. And something. What now go it? and give some out. See, we helped each other through that. Ooh. It's so cool. Have a good one, guys. Peace.